Do you have a lot of wood floors in your place? Nope. None. I really enjoy having wood floors again because I slide all over the house in my socks. It's not the act of dislocation that hurts. It's the act of relocation where all right. the pain. Right. Like, oh, yeah, I was not ready. Well, hello, gentlemen. Hello, sir. <laughs> that was such like a, a Bond villain way to answer the call. For some <laughs> As I'm listening to the headphones, it sounded balanced. And I even put on different headphones. Look at this, look at this. I got these ones I'm listening to right now. <laughs> because I was trying to check this. These are three different headsets that I will listen to while I'm editing to make sure it sounds proper in all of them as far as balance for music and, mm. and dialogue. Then I go and listen to my car today and I'm like... Yeah, your garage band's janky. <laughs> Negative 38 for the music, and somehow it's drawing out someone who's. I'm open to uh, criticism and interpretation unless it comes from Burkhart. Uh, <laughs> the one, yeah, the one professional in the room, the one. Professional <laughs> that's, great. that's great. Except I'm unemployed still, so I'm not a professional journalist. <laughs> Everyone thought Roots I mean, was going to be a good deal. Like, dude, they're. They're owned by the Mariners. Once, like, if there's any Mar, like, yeah. dude, if there wasn't a lockout right now, they would be putting the Mar uh, Blazers on the auxiliary channel to air spring training games, dude. Like, <laughs> come on. Uh, but yeah, when you gotta go, just, uh, just, I don't know. Give me a kind of a signal on camera, and I'll, you know, we'll, we'll wrap it up. I'll just flip you off. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that would work. That would do it. Hello, Rip City, to all of you in town and out of town and in every corner of the interwebs. Thank you for tuning in. Here with you from Hood River, my name is Keith Feltner Smith, and here with me, as always, the master of segues, the on time Hawaiian, Mr. Professional Christopher Joseph Burkhardt. What's up, my friend? How are you? The on time Hawaiian. Is there such a thing? <laughs> Hey, I'm looking at it, man. It's just the most. Uh, I, I wanted to use the word punctual, and you you wouldn't go for that one. So I, I feel like uh, on time Hawaiian is as close as I can get. I just learned from my <laughs> from my mother who, if I needed to be somewhere at noon on a Wednesday, I'd have to tell her that I needed to be there at 8 a.m. on a Tuesday. <laughs> that was the only way I get there on time. Oh uh, yeah, I, I love it. Well, it's it's, it's a, a, a term of affection, and honestly, if anything, it's just commenting commenting on how I tend to live on island time. So I'm, I'm just the I'm best just time, to, baby. Best it time. really is, man. It, you, you can't hate it. You can't you can't hate it. How's your week been? How are things going since our uh, our our last trade talk episode with Mr. McIntyre? I'm still coming down from my weekend depression of my San Francisco 49ers being bounced from the playoffs on the oh, right. precipice of making it to another Super Bowl. And they were kicked off the edge of the cliff rather than sitting triumphantly at the top of the mountain. And I'm still upset about it. There was some foosball that happened, you say. I, yeah, I, you sent me. I, I you watched. sent you sent me a text which we will keep offline. But I just told you to <laughs> shut up, and, shut up, and leave me alone. Was all I responded. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, you know, I, if, if you, uh, if you need to have a corner here, if you need to have a moment on, on the pod to kind of, uh, uh, get anything off your chest for your 49ers frustrations, we, we, we've, we've got space for you, sir. I'm not frustrated. I don't lose sleep over a big dog. They were playing with house <laughs> money. I wasn't that mad at the end of the day. They shouldn't have made it that far. Got into the playoffs in the last week of the year, had a nice run, took down the Cowboys, took down the Packers. 
choked it away at the end against the Rams, but could have beat them. It was, it was a good run in the end of an era since it was probably the last game Jimmy Garoppolo will play in San Francisco. Ooh. So time for time for, you know, Trey area time. Trey Lance to take over, baby. Trey Lance, huh? You, you putting faith in Trey Lance to, to fill Jimmy G's shoes? Don't act like you know what I'm talking about. You don't <laughs> even know what a football looks like, Keith. And if, ain't, if it ain't round and orange, you don't care about it. I, I like that, that round black and white one, too. You know, a, a soccer ball. Sometimes they use an orange ball in soccer. I've seen That's it. also true. That's You're so. not wrong. You're not, they get all sorts of crazy with the, uh, the international competition balls, too. They should play. MLS should be forced to play a game with the old black and white ball with yeah. like a couple of the leather patches falling off. Yeah, there we and go. <laughs> if the ball deflates, then they have to use one of the red like bouncy balls that you would play wall yes. ball with that you F- can kick a-, a country mile. It's just <laughs> come on. Just Get to your to roots. Masses. Speak in a language that we all know. OK. Welcome to the Portland Timbers casters. Uh, we will continue talking soccer for the rest of the... No, we're not going to... That's the end of the soccer segment. Let's get to everybody's favorite segment on the Trailcasters. Love, let hugs, it rain, and hate mail. Let it pour, let Chris and Keith talk some more. Pod, 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 <laughs> I mean, pod, pod, <laughs> pod, 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 podcast. There are so many things from the soccer experience that I wish could be brought to the NBA. Like, you know, imagine having a fan like a, a Blazers fan only section uh, just somewhere in the 100 level, like somewhere where it's it just fans throws, that can just standing room only and like chanting the whole time and moving back and forth. It'd no, it throws it throws people off who've never seen it before. But the Atlanta Hawks have one. No, do they really? Yes, the Atlanta Hawks have a specific section that is like their version of the Timbers army. I cannot remember what it is. Like I'm in the 100 level, like in like low yes, in the Yes, it's actually, it actually, it's Dude. like two sections over from where I would sit in media and they are pretty much standing the whole time. Like they have chance, oh at, God, the, chance at the ready. Like it's, it's pretty cool. It throws you off when you don't know that they have one. And a lot of people kind of get like, what is going on? Like, because they're just not used to having that type of section at at a basketball game. But yeah, the Atlanta Hawks have one. Isn't Atlanta also the team that cut their concession prices in half or in a quarter like they, they made the beers like two dollar beers kind of thing instead of eight or ten dollar beers and their sales have gone up like 40 or 60 percent i don't know it, i'm pretty sure atlanta was the one is, is there's the mercedes-benz stadium is that who i'm thinking of mercedes-benz yeah in atlanta yeah 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 football, so it's atlanta then yeah Oh, oh, yeah. So, so it wasn't the NBA, but yeah, it was Atlanta. I knew I'd, I'd read the headline. There was an Atlanta team, so it was the uh, Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, they reduced the prices, and their sales went up like a plus or minus fifty percent. And it just it blows my mind that you don't see that around more sports. Stop charging ten dollars for a beer. You can make so much more money if you make the, the stuff affordable. If it's affordable to go, go go to a game for two adults and two kids and get snacks and the rest instead of being the thing where you're spending you know a month's rent on it. Yeah, that's anyway, why when that, all, that's in all my travels, that's why I absolutely love PDX Airport because it's one of the only ones that charges off airport prices at the airport. Like it doesn't. Oh, gotcha. It doesn't, not, not it doesn't charge you five. It doesn't charge you five bucks for a can of Coke. Like it, you know. <laughs> anyway, it's the uh, looks like it's the the Hawks Kia Sixth Man because it's a sponsored section by Kia. Mm. But like to be in it, it's like you. There's like a form that you have to fill out and pass, like the, the, uh, 
the test basically to be in oh it. Oh my god, but, I'm so in for yeah, that. They're the I'm only, so they're in the for only that. one that I've seen that that has one. It's really cool. Imagine if the Blazers had a fan only section behind one of the baskets, right? It would be like college ball, where someone's taking free throws and you'd have fans like with a curtain, like doing things to try and distract them, having some insane little like costumes or, or dances or whatever else going on. But yeah, it, it, they're just things from things from soccer that could really be adapted to the NBA to, to make it a better fan experience. I think so much of it revolves around that that just fan section and the singing, standing the whole time, cheering. Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's fan centric. And like you said, if you ever want to bring a a non sports fan uh, to a game that you think they're going to enjoy and maybe get addicted to and become a fan of, soccer is the way to go. Word. Anyway, let's get to the love hug, uh, love hugs and hate mail this week because we got a guest waiting in the wings over here uh i'm gonna go first again mix it up because you made the comment that you that you always go first so i feel like i gotta you know balance these books a little bit my love for the week is going to the atlanta hawks let's just keep with the theme we're talking about here i love the fan section that much i want this to happen for the blazers we need to get some sort of campaign going i know i've already got my penny simons campaign so i'm a little busy but listeners if anyone wants to to kind of start this this drumbeat of a fan section in in the 100 level of the rose garden that would be amazing we deserve it here blazer fans could tear it up it'd be fantastic can you imagine could you imagine like one of those like big old uh one of those big old bass drums just going off the entire game (laughs) oh my gosh oh hey portland blazers i was trying to adapt it to the timber songs <laughs> but hey ptfc very easy for podland trailcasters pdtc we could get these chants going turn all the soccer chants into trailcasters chants in no time all Word. right what's your love my love <laughs> is going to That was my Gary Trent Jr. impersonation because he did a post-game press conference like last night or today <laughs> where the media members were like, oh, I think I, th- I think you're pa- like, I think you lost connection on your end because their video froze, but their video didn't freeze. It was just Gary Trent Jr. just st- and he had sunglasses on so you couldn't tell if he was blinking or not. He lit like they're like, we think you're froze. And the PR person's like, no, we're good. And Gary's just. <laughs> doesn't move oh it's it's hilarious my love's going to just be great <laughs> just be great gary trenching man shout out to him hey! former former blazer blazers legend really let's let's be honest about it okay my hugs for the week going over to Sear little we we will get to this in a moment uh but he has officially come out of surgery and it does sound like he's officially going to be done for the season uh Again, we'll get to this more in a moment. I don't want to dwell. What are your hugs, Chris? My hugs are going to Nas, too. Out for the year. Unfortunate. Tough injury. And uh, he, he gets to sit there and rehab next to, <laughs> next to Dame and Larry Nance Jr. <laughs> and Cody, Cody Zeller, Zeller. And <laughs> Robert Covington or CJ or whoever else. Got to be Hell, CJ Ellaby's on there, too. So whoever Ellaby's else now. gets yeah. on there before it's... <laughs> Yeah, it's unfortunate. The hugs goes to the the Blazers injury list. All right, uh, and again, we'll get back to Nas in a second before we get our our returning guest in here for a short segment. But my hate mail for the week going to the Philly fans. Again, Philly fans will be a a repeating topic today, I I have a feeling. But the other night, 
Philly was playing the Lakers. Some fans were ejected after yelling uh, some things at Mello that he got really incensed about. Sounds like the report... <laughs> Sounds like the report was them saying, go stand in the corner, boy, and some of these kind of things, which, if you're not aware, has some very uh, racially uh, uh, intense meaning behind it. So please just... Don't don't be stupid, fans. And uh, you know, it also sounds like this Philly fan that was there were there were two fans that were called out for this and ejected from the the game when this happened. It sounds later like one of them had actually been ejected previously and now is banned for life. So, at the very least, you you, you gotta you gotta kind of assume at that point that the you know the reports aren't wrong. You can't really defend the fans here. The, if these guys were saying anything like what is reported that they were saying, get them out. Don't let them ever come back. Hey, have you ever been fortunate enough to? sit courtside or close to it and be within earshot with what a lot of these players have to deal with uh during a game even like a lot of it's playful and they know it but it's still it's sure like, oh i can't believe you said that <laughs> like it wasn't yeah. racist or like that rude but it's like uh, i don't know if that's the line i would have crossed just a little cringy a little but bit like point, oh come yeah, on yeah <laughs> the point is for it to uh, obviously catch Carmelo's ear or you've seen this happen with Russ you've seen this happen with LeBron you've seen this happen with multiple players uh, for something in that sea of noise to actually catch that player's ear enough for them to react you know it's way past the line that well, we would ever want to go past and in that same boat too when we've seen this happen with Russ or with LeBron I feel like it's often this thing where they hear this and they get the security guard's attention like, hey, like there's a whole clip of Russ kind of looking and then just kind of finger pointing like yeah. that guy, that guy right there. This with Mello though, he had to be held back. Like, yeah. like he heard it for a while tripping behind him and he, after I think a, a someone, a ref blew a whistle, dude, like Mello pivots and goes straight at the stands towards the, I don't, I'm not saying he was gonna dive into the stands like, uh, like a, a Detroit thing or anything like that, but he was pissed off this is not I, I don't think it was a one comment it was not some you know no. yeah it's 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 one thing to cross the line it's another to do it repeatedly uh you know way like specifically to harass someone and again in a way that we all know at this point is 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 racially inappropriate you just yeah. don't say like i'd go to yeah. a game and tell a player that i hate him and he sucks but like you suck, <laughs> yeah, you suck, Mellow. But at the same time, like he knows that I'm saying that because I respect how freaking yeah, good he it's is. Part it's part of like, the part oh, of the you game. Because you yeah. don't play for me. Like, like you're an all-time great, and I wish you like whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, you, like it's playful. It's par for the yeah. course. Like you've seen those interactions happen too, where like a play, a fan will be trying to antagonize a player, and they'll say something that is like it antagonizes them but it's funny and so like the player will right, laugh and yeah, like they'll yeah. fist bump or they'll acknowledge right, that they're right. you know that they're going back and forth but yeah i don't care you what can be is. competitive you can play mind yeah. games but but you don't need to get racist that's I, I don't like this idea that i paid i paid good money for this ticket so i can say whatever the hell i want to ever i'm right. like no yeah no dude don't not don't, the case dude like you can you can have fun you could poke the bear, but you can still be a good human. Like you don't have to be a complete <laughs> jackass. Just not, a, just not a bad. Yeah, just not a jackass. Okay, what's your hate mail for the week? My hate is going to preemptively all the national media members over the next week and a half that are going to be pushing <laughs> Dame needs to go to L.A. or New York storylines as we approach the trade. <laughs> 
You think pre-deadline? You think before before you know next, it's gonna uh, start heating the up. Oh, Portland, boy. Portland isn't making a move. Portland needs to do something <laughs> to move the needle. You know what that needs to be? It needs to be moving Damian Lillard, and he needs to go to L.A. or he needs to go to New York because if Damian Lillard were in a big market, not stuck up there in the Northeast or west or south i don't even know where it is that's how off the grid portland is if he was in a place like hollywood though everybody would know dame he'd be one of the best players in the league and i'm i am confident i am confident that the lakers can sign andre ingram to another 10-day contract and he will be enough to get damian Lillard to come to the lakers <laughs> or, uh, you know maybe we could trade uh coach Thibodeau's suit that he doesn't wear anymore send that to coach billups because he's a new head coach so his suit repertoire suits. isn't great yet he needs some suits yeah, he doesn't even wear suits. He wears his little track clothes all the time. <laughs> That's right, yeah. So we'll send him one of Coach Tim's suits. It can get tailored to fit him, but that will be enough to get Damian Lillard to New York. We need to get him to one of the major markets, get him out of Portland. What is Portland doing? <laughs> I love that that went from, like, Stephen A. Burkhart to, like, pinstripe suit mob boss with a cigar like it back in my day until I, I found the voice that i liked is what that <laughs> it was, was good it was good i loved it i loved it oh that was great <laughs> and then i realized i was going like full like east coast accent talking about sending them to the lakers it didn't make sense but but you know <laughs> the point is relevant that that's what it's going to be right all right yeah like when i, I, I here's I, the thing when i talk to you about the prospects of trading damian lillard and again every time i bring this up i talk about how this is a down the road thing if things don't work out but when i talk about the prospects of trading damian lillard i talk about how you can maximize your your assets coming back to portland to put yourself in a better position i don't talk about trading damian lillard to get him to a big market like but you know it's gonna happen you know it's gonna happen and honestly i've been hopeful that with dame now being injured that a lot of it would die down that like maybe we just wouldn't get to this but I, you're probably right i have a feeling you're probably right that before next thursday we're going to be hearing a whole lot about uh how they need to get dame out of dame out of the northwest and into portland i can't do the accent the, northeast the same way or the northwest the <laughs> west south whatever the hell they call that place south the by southwest the, the specific northwest <laughs> it's uh i i yeah i uh, oh, i couldn't oh, tell man. you what portland is on a map <laughs> Okay, so what were we actually going to talk? Right, the knowledge injury update. This is my voice for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> I don't know why that got me so good. I mean, it just—I I just see you because like the giant good. cigar in the fingers. It's just—he's got a whole character with that man. It, oh, it's excellent. But seriously, all right. So get, get Coach Phillips a suit. Dress up, young buck. Act like you belong. <laughs> All right. So what we're really talking about before we get our our guest back in here, a uh, quick update on Nasir Little's injury report. It came out last week during the pod. We were discussing uh, during the episode that he had a shoulder strain right after the episode was finished recording. We found out it was not a shoulder strain. It was a torn labrum, much more serious. And it sounds like today he's had successful surgery this morning. Definitely going to be out for the rest of the season. So that kind of answers uh, maybe some of the questions, or at least, again, like we said last time, one more signal or sign pointing towards the team 
not pushing too hard for that playing tournament even though we are still currently in the 10th seed we're not falling too far yet uh maybe fans and listeners start to brace yourself for uh, for a bit of a drop the the part that sucks about the shoulder injuries and you saw it with uh you saw it with myers leonard when he got his shoulder pulled out by kelly olenic there is a there is a mental hurdle to get over with shoulder injuries because especially when you're a guy like nas who flies man uh going up for rebounds like that that position above the head puts that shoulder if it's already injured and i'm speaking from firsthand mm-hmm. experience with my torn rotator cuff uh it puts it in some uh compromised positions it gets it gets tapped just right and just loses that stu- uh, structural integrity to keep it in um so yeah that's i would much rather especially with the upside that he's shown this year if that timetable is four to six take the six take seven go as go as slow as possible to be as methodic as possible because you just want him back full health um absolutely so it just sucks to yeah get that the what we all anticipated uh when it happened it just sucks to get the actual word out for the season never never a fun one to swallow Right. And, you know, one more detail on this before we move on. Just so everyone is clear, a, a labrum, a torn labrum uh, in a shoulder. I think what I saw as well, this is called the glenoid or glenoid labrum. Uh, but either way, the labrum, it's it's the, the soft cartilage that the ball of the shoulder joint goes into. It's the, sh- mm-hmm. the soft cartilage that kind of sits in the cup. So when that's torn, like Chris is saying, let, let's say, you know, a lot of this could be position and severity. But if if there's like a tear in a certain spot and the player goes to move the arm up, the the stability, the like the, it just becomes so fragile, I guess. As you know, kind of like what Chris was saying, where it doesn't take a lot to bump, uh, not much of a bump for for knocking this thing out in a very painful way if it's in the wrong position. Uh, and obviously, any sort of pro athlete, let alone an NBA player who's raising their arms above the head, is just at particular risk for that. Yep. So yeah, get him back, get him healthy, because he's. Uh... He's going to be key to the 2022-23 championship run. Yes, there we go. Okay, good note to move forward on. Speaking of moving forward, we have a guest coming back again. His third week in a row, Brandon McIntyre is here to join us again. Don't worry, guys. No Dame trade talks this week. We already did the interview. I am sure of it. We we have we have cleared everything. I even had him sign a uh, an uh, an affidavit or, or something like that, some sort of legal documentation earlier uh, to say that he would not bring up Dame getting traded off the team. We left that all to Chris this time, unfortunately. So here's our conversation with He's Brandon. going to New York. <laughs> here's our conversation with Brandon. Enjoy the rest of the episode. I think you should trade him to Brooklyn for that Jimmy Hardon fella. <laughs> <laughs> all right, back with us after all the trade talk last week. We are continuing the trade extravaganza. Uh, although it's not trade talk this week, it's it's just the trade talker. Uh, Brandon McIntyre, coming back in. How you doing, buddy? Uh, doing a little follow-up, a little uh, addition. I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me back on. Always, always. And listeners, hey. just so you know, this is the advantage of joining our Discord. We put out a prompt for questions, seeing if anyone had anything they wanted to kind of uh, give us for the episode. And uh, I followed up with saying, hey, if you just want to come on and say hello. And, you know, Brandon, with all of his brash confidence after being on the pod last week, decided I'm, I'm here for it. He, he said he has some, some takes to bring us. So, so what's on your mind, bro? Okay. It's all the CJ and Penny thing, right? So first off, CJ, I want to say we had some really great years 
We had some good times. You were fun to watch. <laughs> but like, it's time to set you free. It's time to set you free, my boy. Go out and, and you do you. So I here here's the thing. I don't think, in my opinion, the issues that the team is having right now, I don't think it's anything that CJ is doing or not doing. I think the team, specifically Penny, is just being deferential. Uh, that's my take. And also, it just seems to be since he's been back, the wind has kind of the sails a little bit. Who knows if that's just sort of the natural way of things or... You know, obviously there's an Oz injury and all that, but still Penny has looked different and I don't want anything to get in the way of his development, whether that's, you know, as the future of the Blazers or to develop him into a better trade piece, uh, you know, so we can reload and retool around Dame. I, I think he's hesitating on more shots since CJ has been back. You think Penny is? I do. I, I think there's been a little bit, you know, just again, you know, I don't know if I'm reading into stuff or whatever. This is what I want to see. Yada, yada. Who cares? I, it just, that's, that's my take and watching him that he's just, it's this little brother, big brother, you know, CJ's back. He's my big brother. I need to, I need to get him involved and I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm going to hold off. I'm pulling up on some of these shots that I was pulling up on before. Right. Cause it's just like, you know, there's some of those games are just like, you know, just no conscious, right? Like he's going to come down and pull up like he is Dame. But since CJ's back, like there's there's just something there's something's been a little bit off there, right? I don't know if that's him, if that is to do with CJ, him wanting to be more facilitator, whatever. The chemistry set got screwed up. That's the point. Well, it, <laughs> it would be one thing if CJ was coming in here and and going off, like if it was if he was just trying to get his and and really showing out. But yeah, the the point being is that CJ is maybe not looking fully invested, or maybe that he can just kind of he he feels the. He can hear the music. He knows that maybe he's on the you know the still the the primary piece to move. If if not uh, him, it's, it would be Rocco, uh, and is maybe not kind of fully invested for it. But let me ask you this: How do you feel about uh, Norm's return so far? We've seen a handful of games from him now. Are you getting the same vibe from Norm uh, as far as uh, in relation to to Penny's minutes and Penny's kind of uh, production and evolution? Is he getting in the way in the same sense, or or do you feel like Norm is fitting in better? Is it specifically a CJ thing? This is all CJ's fault. I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, that's, I mean, I don't know. Again, this is how we were talking about this a little bit last week. I don't know if it's just, I'm seeing what I want to see here and seeing what's fitting the narrative that I have in my head. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, I, I mean, it's for me, the bottom line is like CJ one, I, whatever path we take, CJ should not be in the future of the Blazers. Yes. To me, it makes, it makes zero sense. Whether this team is completely retooling, trading Dame, I won't say anymore, and doing the whole thing, doing the whole turnover, or you, just you know, can't help or, yourself. Go I'm, ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying it, or or if you know we're for just retooling and trying to you know put some better pieces around Dame, whatever that looks like, none none of those scenarios make sense to have CJ on the team. Now, here's the asterisk to me. Cronin, right? So I feel like Neil Neil owned up, and just Cronin hasn't had the had much of an opportunity yet. It's still fresh, whatever. But Neil owned up to the fact of what his philosophy was in team building, in so much that he was good with being a playoff team, 
he didn't subscribe to championship or bust, right? I think he explicitly said that in one of his one of his pressers to start or end a season. Um, and so, <clears throat> moving forward here, there's two big questions: What is Cronin's philosophy there on team building, and how will he implement that philosophy? We. Uh, so I'm not trying to cut you off here, but just to kind of build on what you're saying. We were talking on our Discord again, listeners. Please come and join us in Discord. That's that's why Brandon is on the on on the pod here again, uh, three weeks in a row, in fact. Uh, but w- w- when you brought up the other night uh, the idea of the fire sale, and I kind of responded with fire sale outside of trading Dame. This is what I was saying as far as the X factor as well is just the idea that we don't know what Cronin's going to do. We don't know his mindset. We only know that he's not Olshay, and that's that's good enough in a sense, but also it's hard to really predict what's going to happen next. It, it, does he have uh, the, you know, the, the the confidence and kind of the bravado to, to swing for the fences? Can he make a big move, or is it going to end up being something where he's more concerned about job security, uh, riding the fence, playing for uh, playing for the future as well. Chris, I'm not trying to cut you out of this either, but I just feel like I got to, you know, I, I, I feel like if I if I don't uh, if I don't control Brandon, he's just going to keep going with uh, some more. I know he's got more Dame trade talk, uh, like loaded up in the cannon ready for it. So just trying to keep a, keep us on course here. Hey, how about I, you, I, though? What do you got on this? No, I think what's with the way that the roster is right now, it's quite obvious that CJ needs to be moved. Uh, I think Norman Powell can be moved for the right player um, as well. Maybe you package them together and get something good in return. One thing that I think sometimes I feel like I'm alone on an island is Yusuf Nurkic. Um, I have defended him in our Discord. I defended him on social. Uh, he's in the middle of the best run of his career consistency-wise. He's healthy. He's playing great. What I love about this, people go, well, Dame's out, and what if his usage changes? No. You have seen Coach Bill has been making a concerted effort to change the offense and how it operates with him on the floor, getting him more involved. Under Stotts, we saw a lot of the pick and roll, right? We're still seeing that. What we're seeing a little bit more now with Billups that we weren't seeing as much with Stotts is that concerted effort to get him involved in the paint, like letting him get his back to the basket, giving him the ball and letting him go to work. A lot of the times Stotts always had like the short leash thing, like unless it was Al Farouk Aminu, <laughs> like that if you were, if you weren't playing well or missing shots, you were going to get the ball out of your hands. Like he would give Nurk that one time down low. He, he's, do a spin move, throw up a shot put, and it's like, okay, now we're not going to go back to you. Billups now is like, nope, you messed up, whatever, we're going to go back to you. And he's trying to get him in, and what you're seeing is a very consistent nerk out of that. And I'm going to go back to what I said earlier on social, and again, people want to roast me for it, is I have been on what Jason Quick just wrote about, and I've been on this for weeks prior, go back and listen to the podcast, Keith can vouch, that I think that if Nurk hits the open market, it's still very likely that he re-signs with Portland. He's very comfortable here. The relationship with Dame matters, etc., etc. To round this all back, what I'm saying is people go, well, we've seen what happens when Nurk is healthy and the team's going blah, blah. We've seen what happens when Nurk is healthy, Dame is healthy, and the team is built around CJ and other parts. I still think if you get CJ out and possibly Norm out and get in a, a good three and D small forward, you upgrade at, upgrade at the power forward position, and you have put better pieces to better complement Dame and Nurk. I don't see that as negative in any way, especially if you can get a defender. Like say, like again, we've thrown this name out a, a lot, but 
a Chris Boucher that I think is going to be available on the trade market this year for a lot of teams. Or everyone looks at a Pascal Siakam, right? If you had a Pascal Siakam type who could alleviate some of the pressure off of Nurkic being like your one primary defensive anchor in the paint, like... I think that makes Nurk better at the end of the day when you put that type of skill set around him. Like, yeah, Robert Covington goes and gets his blocks too, but a lot of Robert Covington's blocks are also in a chase down. And I'm not talking like a full court chase down, but I'm in the paint, guy kind of goes by me, I follow him to the rim and that's where I get my block. Um, but I'm just saying, if you get those other guys that can complement those skill sets, you get your three and D wing, you give Ant the keys to be your, your true shooting guard next to Dame, I don't think you're running it back, and I don't think you're in a in a worse spot by any means. So I am definitely still high on the Nurk has a future in Portland train. I'll, I'll say to my my Nurk my my get Nurk out of town take is, <laughs> uh, I think yeah when he when he's on and things are flowing for him he looks amazing, right? Like that first few minutes in that game last night when he was just backing down favors or whoever it was. I mean, he looked like Shaq, right, for a few minutes there. I mean, he looked, he looked great. But I, the, the couple of things is, I think Nurk doesn't know when he doesn't have it, and he and he forces it, right? Especially when he's running some pick and rolls with Dame. I don't think he's. I think a lot of times he looks pretty terrible at the pick and roll. Like he's just forcing <laughs> up his own shot. You know, especially when they try to just get involved early and he's just putting up these shots. Like, what the hell are you doing? What shot was that? <laughs> like, I don't know how many of those I've seen. So that's that's one. The, the second, and it's a little bit of my same with CJ, fair or unfair, I both of those guys just have this injury track record where it's just like, especially when they're playing well, I just feel like we're always on borrowed time <laughs> with those guys, right? It's just like, I, I'm, I'm honestly, I mean... I'm expecting it to happen any game, especially like the usage that the Nurk is having right now, that he's going to get hurt. <laughs> oh, that's horrible, bro. You, you... <laughs> it's hard to set the expectation because that, because that's what has happened, right? Especially, yeah, no, I, especially I with Nurk. I think maybe it's been a little more fluky with CJ, um, you know, especially like the long thing, like super fluky, right? But like, but with Nurk, it seems more like it, it just it seems to be like more of a center thing, his body type and all that. Just that, yeah, I would expect that this is only going to get worse. Yeah, I also think at times, though, I also think that's a, a, a one sided argument to make against Nurk, because if he doesn't have. I guess every injury is obviously fluke, but if he doesn't have that fluke catastrophic leg injury, I think he's not viewed as much as an injured guy because that has set him out so long because no one is sitting here like we got to move Dame because Dame is injury prone. I mean, Dame is Dame's injured all the damn time, all the damn time. Like he's literally had an injury since his like, no, but he's no, yeah, had, yeah he, <laughs> here's the thing, though. You, you, you argue that Dame plays, but the thing was, he's. Yes, he just went out for for the surgery on the ab thing, but I mean, you miss his games. He's missed games with the plantar fasciitis and other various injuries. It's usually a game here, a game there, this and that. But it's like that guy's hindered all the time too. So like, what? I mean, where's the threshold for this guy's an injury prone player? Is all I'm saying. I, I think I get what you're saying. I'm not saying you're necessarily wrong. I'm just saying I think in some people's eyes, not necessarily yours. I like you, Brandon. I'm not talking down on you. I don't know if I don't. I don't know. I mean, that the leg injury I think skews it just a little bit because you're like 
oh man, he hasn't played for a year and a half. And it, so I, I, I still like him. But what I don't want to happen and what's going to happen, guys, because, well, I guess it's not going to happen now that Neil's gone, is if Neil were here, you know that the trade that would happen would probably be something stupid like like Penny. I hate saying that. I'm doing that for you, Keith. Penny, hey. Penny to Philadelphia <laughs> for Danny Green. That would be some dumb trade like that. Let's trade our young, talented uh, guard for an old guard who doesn't probably want to be here and doesn't have... It's Will Barton for Aaron Aflalo all over again, which is just funny because as a GM, as a GM, guys, if I'm going to make a trade, like, I'm not only going to talk to, like, like the, the, the GMs and this and that, but, like, if I'm like right there, all I need to do is pen to paper. Like I should at least get the chance to put a bug in the other player's ear and gauge their interest to how much you want to be here. Because I, <laughs> having been in that locker room, I was in that locker room that season when Aaron Afalo got traded. And it was obvious from day one that he did not want to be in Portland. And he really? bolted the minute he could. And I think what played one more season in the league and we gave up Will Barton for that. <laughs> Like, come on. But as I said on Spaces, it's also an interesting time to hit the trade deadline because without Neil Olshay here, you finally get to deal with a team not named uh, Cleveland, Denver, or Orlando, which were his three favorite trading partners. Well, we'll see. CJ could be a Cleveland uh, trade. <laughs> hey, I would love that for him, man. It's always cool to, to go back home. Go back home. I think another, like, teams that... One team that is unfortunate because they just don't have anything that Portland could use in trade back, but I think would actually be a good fit for both CJ or Norm, more so Norm than, than CJ. And you have to get a third team involved, but I think San Antonio. Like, if I were them, I'd be calling for Norm all day long. Like, him next to, to Murray is, I think that's a good lineup. You got Derek White, who's up and coming too, but, but Norm is like a pure two. And, and White is more of a CJ, where he's that that one-two tweener. He's that combo guard, can play both. I, but Norm in a Greg Popovich offense and defensive scheme, I think would be so freaking good. And I still do not understand Philadelphia's uh, apprehension at Simmons. And we have to have a star, this and that, because all they're doing is letting a talented guy sit on the bench and rust when they could go get a CJ. And everyone goes, really, does CJ push the needle? It would take more than that, but I still think CJ would be phenomenal next to Joel Embiid. I think you'd be see the best CJ that you've seen if he were traded to Philadelphia. Personally, I think he would match very well with that that style. But see what happens here. See what happens. Just real, real, real quick touch on the on the Ben Simmons thing. Did you hear his take today? Like he he told someone. Uh, I saw some headline pop up on my, on my phone about Ben Simmons saying he doesn't believe he'll be traded this season. I, I it's it's I feel like so much of this is a uh, a war about about smoke and about drama and rumors that they can get going on the side. I feel like like Maury uh, going on and saying that oh now we're willing to accept a top forty player instead of a top twenty five or whatever he'd said initially. It's it's just so much trying to manipulate the system. I I don't know it. it Brandon, I'm with you as far as it, it's. This is a very interesting part of the season. You, you said last episode, like your favorite part of the of of the season is kind of this this the roster shifting, kind of figuring out where you can kind of you know make these calculations, make these kind of adjustments that turn a a, a has been or or also ran into a contender. Like what differences can be made? 
but the the weird kind of you know trying to work behind the curtains and, and all the rest of it that that you see from like the, the comments where you know it's not accurate but he's saying to try and maybe uh elicit a response from the other side and therefore up the value and it's it's just it gets so kind of i don't know man it gets entrenched it gets it gets very diluted uh as far as the basketball side of things in, in my mind when you get into some of this yeah i think uh it's it's understandably annoying uh from from an outsider's perspective and probably <laughs> That's a much like, more simple way to put it thank you <laughs> yeah i mean and and especially if i especially can see it that way being a philly fan seeing this season you're saying oh like you know it's how good Embiid is playing and the team looks without you know having somebody else that could be uh at least an above average player on this team like they're just sort of you know taking a zero on that spot but like the the hill I'm dying on here is I I don't think that Maury loses this trade. However, it goes down. Whenever it goes down, Maury's going to win the trade. Well, that that's always been his thing, though, right? Is he 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 holds on like this? He holds on to the very end to make sure he gets the best value out of it. And I'm I'm with you. Like he has that reputation. I have no reason to say that he won't hold on till he can win the trade. But I mean, again. Ben Simmons saying today that he doesn't believe a trade will be made. That's got to kind of work against what Maury's kind of doing, trying to do as far it, it's countering some of what Maury's doing as far as the the media barrage and the rest. I, I think I saw too. Simmons has been fined nineteen million dollars at this point for for just the kind of the kind of you know absences and the rest. A lot of money. That's that speaks, man. Like that is a exactly, Chris. That is a huge way to kind of put your foot down and say, like, you know, like literally saying, like, he's putting his money where his mouth is, saying, "This is what matters to me." Is not playing for them. Ugh, I don't, now I don't I'm know. Joe Cronin. I'm like, hey, we're, uh, this is what we're gonna do, Ben. We're gonna trade for you. I know you said you don't like Portland, but when we re-sign you, we're gonna give you incentives worth nineteen million dollars. Nineteen million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> If you average 5.5 points per game, you're going to hit the $19 million uh, incentive just to offset everything. If I was a Philly fan, though, I would trust in Maury until proven otherwise. Because just seeing what he did in in Houston, um, you you know, again, I'm sure it's frustrating sort of throwing the season away or semi-throwing the season away, but like, what he was able to accomplish there over all those years. And I mean, and, and then all the speculation there at the end, there's just the ownership got more involved and that's why the Westbrook trade happened and yada, yada. But it's just like, I mean, the team, like that team should have won a title. I mean, if it wasn't, if it wasn't like, you know, if it wasn't for the cap spike and the Durant thing, like that team wins a title and they still almost did, you know, and, and you know, if they, if they just got past the Warriors, which was, I mean, they pushed into the brink. Like, I mean, that team was awesome. And so, and that was, and from my from Al Spider's perspective, it, I mean that was all Maury. So, I yeah. mean, yeah, it's just like Philadelphia doesn't want him. Yeah, I'll, let's 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 throw uh, let's throw all the money at Maury. Let's bring him in. <laughs> yeah. You know, and Maury's smart enough too. I mean, we're talking about we're talking about an all league NBA defender, like right, and right. an all he knows what he has at a very young age, like. There are players that the longer they sit out and the longer they don't get traded, they're uh, they tank their value. Ben isn't. He's going to be worth whatever they trade for him. He he will. He's he's got value for sure. Uh, Brandon, I know you've got to get rolling, and you were giving us the the universal uh, one finger signal there to let us know that you got to get rolling. But thank you so much, man. Thanks for coming in and sharing with that. Uh, we'll get you on again anytime you want to hop on. Just let us know in the Discord, like anyone else that's in the Discord can hey. do so. So, thank you, man, and have a great day. Sounds good, guys. See ya.
when when the whole Daryl Morey comments came up about him saying, oh, we'll take a top 40 player. We never really touched on this here on the pod. But again, this came up on our Discord. Uh, it was interesting to me how many people did see CJ McCollum as a top 40 player that could that, that could be used as, as, a, as an asset to acquire Ben. Again, I, I know I hate on CJ sometimes. I, I, I think he's a quality player, but never got an all-star game. Uh, he's averaging his, his point, his production does not stand out compared to other guards in the league who are younger and cheaper to put him in the top 40. I, I, I think that's a real stretch. Like even for me who constantly wears rose colored contacts, it, it's yeah. It, do you disagree? You think you would, you put CJ in your top 40 very close to it. I mean, I'd have really? to go, I'd have to go down the list, but I mean, you know, 30 teams in the NBA and you put the top two from every single team cj's right there granted there's teams that have big threes but then there's teams like in oklahoma city who's cj's better than anybody on oklahoma city um, that's fair too with, yeah. you know with, yeah, totally. i mean what maybe shay gilgis uh alexander but i still like cj uh the thing is i think what makes cj hard for you to say he's top 40 is i think he is a top tier point uh, shooting guard and he's one of the best shooting guards in the game i think it gets diluted because the gap from him to the next level of shooting guards is as probably as tight as it's ever been in, in league history right. at least that i can remember because i've argued this forever like you can put in a lot of guys and they're gonna go get 17 18 20 points per night if they're a starter i mean again, it's a supply look, and demand issue it's like right, we have so at, many guys that can do it yeah look at gary Trent jr right look at norm powell playing those minutes look at what we've seen from from ant like if you put those guys in that position, they're going to go get those points. So I don't think there, I think there's not a gap there between it used to be like, think about like, think about like when Portland had Roy, right? You had like Brandon Roy and you had Kobe and you had some, you know, laps with or, uh, crossovers with like the McGrady's of the world. And then like everybody else, right? Like the talent gap between shooting guards at that point in time in the league was not what it is now is like right you totally have the good different. ones and then you had the mid tiers now you have like the good ones and the mid tiers are just chomping right on their heels it's absolutely yeah. crazy so i think it i think that's why it's hard for you to say that he jumps out and i totally think that's a fair statement i still think you could argue uh that he's i mean 40 again you'd have to count him but i, I think he's at least right, the top yeah. 50 i think he's at least the top 50 player um, that's fair i i don't i don't think it's that far off i think he's in that range mm -hmm. I, I think if we're talking about maury wanting a top 40 i i think it i don't think that blazer fans should suddenly be lighting up being like oh oh that that signals that it's you know cj is good enough the only uh, weird I, part I just, of saying i want a top 40 player is like that's so subjective right like yeah, it really what, is <laughs> what is a top 40 player to you like do you value scoring more than defense do you value height and fit as a position do you consider norm a top player or do you knock him because he's playing out of position since his time important like yeah little things like that like so yeah even what just is straight, a top like, 40 you know, player like 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 fit versus talent like straight talent production kind of thing like it's, it's a very hard thing to measure i how about this though just to tie back to the conversation about the sixers too philly with if Joel, uh, if Embiid is their dame, Ben Simmons would be their CJ. Imagine if the Blazers had CJ sitting out for an entire season in protest. You think Blazers are going to be top three in the conference as Philly is top three in the East right now? No, it's crazy I mean, what, well, what Joel I mean, Embiid has been able to do. Good, but what I think is funny that like 
I'd have to really look into like what Philly fan is saying and what Philly media is saying. I mean, you said we, we just argued, right, that that Maury's going to get his his trade. He's going to make sure he wins that trade. He's going to get what's good for Philly. Dude, if this was flipped and this was Portland, if Portland right, had Dame right. in his prime playing in an M, having an MVP season, which Embiid is in like that Embiid, combo, yeah. right? And the second best player on that team was sitting had requested a trade and you're just sitting on your hands to almost prove a point portland media and portland fan would be losing their freaking mind such a good point yeah and, and i don't think philly's not their mind and, and I, I i don't believe that philly is not losing their mind i'm, I'm sure people there are are freaking out about it like there i'm sure there are some real maury uh hate clubs over there much more so than than fan clubs at this point but yeah man i i, I agree so, but it's also weird though. it's like, weird philly is such a unique sports city that like are they mad at maury for not trading simmons yet or are they pissed at simmons for disrespecting mm. their franchise right like yeah that's, which one that's are you, a good point. which one are you more mad at i think portland fan is portland fan is unique but it's but it's also much different than a philadelphia fan like they're both unique in their own ways like I feel like I feel like if CJ did this. Portland would be like, "Yep, get him out, do your thing, Joe." But they'd also be like, "I'm gonna root like crazy for CJ Ellaby now because I'm gonna root for who's <laughs> on the court, and I don't care what he said about our team. But when he comes back to town, I'm gonna boo the hell out of him. He's just gonna be the new Raymond Felton, like, <laughs> like." But don't you don't think that Blazers fans would treat? Uh, CJ like Philly fans are treating Ben Simmons you don't think they would be like if if CJ was here requesting a trade or or at least viewed in if, if it was viewed in the same way as far as where Ben Simmons uh, at least as far as Philly perspective is, is viewed as you know this is not just on his end right like they, they're not supporting his side of it if Blazer fans were just completely unsupportive of CJ and and his trade request you don't think that they would be just all sorts of toxic towards him on social and the rest I know fan base as well enough to know that, of course, there would be a sect of it that was like a sect. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, hey, I'm I'm just but not the same as Philly. I'm not going to lie. Like I used to be that way as a sports fan. And then when I got into professional journalism and you had to kind of disassociate with that fan side of you for a little bit, it's changed how I take in my sports now, even as a fan. Like I don't cover the 49ers. I don't cover the NFL as much. So like I get to really be a fan of the NFL and like. I'm not mad that Jimmy G had a bad game in the NFC championship game. I'm more like he's going to be mm -hmm, traded yeah. now and he had a great run here. And I'm glad that I got to watch him play for a little bit. So yeah, as long as you don't get fleeced on the other end, you get something out of CJ because CJ has value. The only bad part with CJ is, you know, we've argued this plenty of times. It's just like, I, I think you could trade Dame this season, next season, or two seasons from now, and I still think he's going to have a high value, especially if he comes back from his injury. I'm not saying trade Dame, Keith. I'm just saying his value is, is not drop. <laughs> I don't think his value is dropping yet. I think CJ's value peaked in probably that 2019 season, probably right before the trade deadline. I think that was probably where you would have been able to get the most out of CJ McCollum. He had a very good run into the postseason, uh, but even since then, I still think even in that short amount of time, that three year window, I still think, again, that that second tier of shooting guard has made such a significant jump such in that jump. short amount of time yeah. that I think CJ's trade value has started to just come down. Like you could argue yeah. the same thing with uh, point guards as well. But at the same time, like for the last handful of years, the argument of point guard has been Steph. And then everyone else, but Dame is at the top of that and everyone else, like him and the right, Kyrie, right. Kyrie's, right? 
And, you know, obviously Chris Paul has been incredibly good, but it's just a different trade market for him. But still, like, you get what I'm saying. Like, it's just yeah. a little bit different. Yeah, it's uh, – the, the the field has not uh, has not favored the Blazers. Uh, how, about, how about putting it this way? The way the Blazers have structured their team in the Damian Lillard era – uh, has not benefited from the way the league has gone. Like, you know, if the whole idea was maybe trying to zig while everyone else zags, we uh, we just haven't made those moves. We've maybe we maybe the Blazers kind of saw what was going on in Golden State, saw kind of that the three point revolution coming about and went for it. But then when the Warriors kind of led that way and everyone else kind of have countered, Blazers have just kind of kept trying to do the same thing. And, you know, you, you get all the comments about a jump shooting team doesn't win games and, you know, we can't be all offense, no defense and the rest, but, you know. I think you can almost, in a way, Keith, I think you can almost blame the Warriors for the state of the Blazers because... Oh, I like this. Let's go with this. Keep going. You got me. Because the Warriors were so good. The Warriors were the best team in basketball for a good four or five year run, right? They had the winning a season the NBA's ever seen. They had a absolute dynasty. And unfortunately for the Blazers, they ran into that buzzsaw every single postseason, right? Every single postseason, they ran into that buzzsaw and got just destroyed. It was four-game sweep in the in the Western Conference yeah. Finals. It was a gentleman's a sweep look. in the first round or the second round, right? And if you're a GM, not defending Neil by any means, but I think a lot of people, fan included, go, oh, man. If only we didn't hit the Warriors in the first round, like right, or right, like, right. no, we still got a good team. We just mad, we just we just hit the we hit the Warriors at a bad time. So does it skew yeah. how you start to view your team? Because are you viewing your team as not good enough to win at all, or oh, we're good? We just ran into the best if only team this the NBA one team. thing. Like yeah, you get, you, yeah. like you get what I'm saying, right? Like so, Definitely. like you can almost blame the Warriors dynasty a little bit because I think I you could argue that it skewed how certain people viewed the Blazers because if you lost to, if you lost to the Nuggets in the first round and then the next year you lost to the Clippers in the first round and then the next year you lost to the Lakers in the first round, you're not running back Mo Harkless and Al Farouk Aminu every single year saying <laughs> this is the year that they're going to put it together because you've met numerous different teams and like, but you could, oh, it's just, it's just that warrior team. And the thing was, Portland was peaking. They were playing well. So like, oh, right, we, we right. lost by 10. Like, but it, we're right I, there. Mm. In, 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 the, in the season where the Warriors won 72, I remember, uh, it was it 72 or 73? My, my, my brain they is They won 73. Not. They won 73. It was 73. Yeah, I knew that number. 72. Yeah, when, 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 the Bla- when the Warriors, Blazers, when the Warriors passed the 72-game record and won 73, I remember that season as a Blazer fan at one point thinking, like, you know, we, we went on to face them in the first round, I believe, right? If, if memory serves correct. Uh, but during the regular season, it gave me hope because we were the first team to beat this incredible 73-win Warriors, first team to beat them twice in the regular season. So then when we <laughs> went to the playoffs, I'm like, oh, hey, we could, you know, maybe we're the team. It's the David versus Goliath matchup. Let's do this. Let's, let's go, David. Uh, and then when it doesn't happen, just like you're saying, it's easy for a Blazer fan to be like, oh, well, you know, we were that good. We were the first team to beat them twice. Maybe one of only two or three teams to beat them twice in the season. 
And uh, so if, if it just hadn't been for the Warriors, if it just wasn't for that one team, and yeah, I, I hear you, man. It, it makes it real easy to kind of say, well, let's make some minor adjustments. It makes it easy on, made it easy on Neil to make some minor adjustments and think that would be good enough. And and I've I've said this to you before. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast. I'm pretty sure I have. But like 2019, 2019's run to the Western Conference Finals was not good. Like that was a like that was no <laughs> yeah no no, <laughs> no I'm Keith, with you I'm with you I'm with you I'm with that you. run was pure luck yeah pure luck completely because I mean you had the well, shot the from roster. Dave yeah huh the, the 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 health of the roster man we were talking about Cantor yeah but it's like okay you had Cantor but seriously you had uh you had the shot from Dame which I mean the the, the oh, goodbye like, the bye bye the bad yeah the shot. goodbye shot and yeah you didn't take it wasn't like a seven game series or whatever like that was a competitive series that Oklahoma City could have very well won uh, personally that I mean my one of my favorite series I've ever covered in my time doing this was that Denver one and I still oh yeah uh, I I love the series it was it was historical for what it was CJ's game seven was phenomenal Portland shouldn't have won that series. Denver, Denver was the better team, top to bottom. Probably should have won that series, and then honestly, that luck ran out, and then they got exposed there in in the finals when they just got absolutely destroyed. Like that, that was one of the worst playoff series that they had against the Warriors. They just didn't look competitive. They didn't look like they belonged in the Western Conference Finals. The Warriors destroyed them. Yeah, and yeah. honestly, Keith, that what makes that? I mean, the writing should have been on the wall the year prior when. After being bounced by the Warriors two consecutive times, and remember in 2016, they made it to the second round, and again, you look, oh, they beat the Clippers, made it to the second round. It took, again, it took Gerald Henderson's magical steel ass to go break a hand to to change the series, right? And then they they get through. But the writing should have been on the wall for Portland to tear this thing down and get off of the Dame and CJ together train and obviously just hitch it to Dame the minute they got just outclassed outperformed and destroyed by the new orleans pelicans destroyed by the new orleans pelicans when terry stotts as much as we defend him and still love love him for what he did in portland got completely out extant owed by alvin gentry alvin gentry out coached the shit out of terry stotts in that series and that should have been the writing on the wall but what do you what do you do nope run it back you run it back <laughs> and it's like yeah, you have a lucky 2019 run but like it's just oh crazy and that, that's the problem is you get that one lucky run and then it is be it can be held up uh whether we're talking by neil or by fans in minds or, or fans hearts or anything you can hold up this one lucky run it's like oh see it was worth it we we it's legitimized we were on the right course if only you know one thing had fallen more our way so yeah let's try it again and yeah it, we gotta move forward. I, Dude, I, I'm, he, and again, since since Dame since Dame has been miraculous at taking the Blazers uh, to the playoffs, they've now made it every single year since since 2013, 2014. It's a second round exit, a first round exit, a second round exit, which again the lucky second round because of the Clipper series, a first round exit, a first round exit, the crazy run of the finals, a first round exit where the Lakers just destroyed them. A first round, first round exit against the Nuggets, where the Nuggets yeah. just outclassed them. It's just like. So the few times we get past the first round, it's very easy to say, uh, "This was kind of a bit of a lucky break." Every single, every that's, single that's time. That's the problem. That, every single time. But again, right? this isn't this isn't saying anything more than that it is time to 
shake it up. It's, 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 we're not saying everything has to be torn down to the scraps. We are not saying we have to trade Dame yet. That was Brandon's thing. He's no longer here. You're <laughs> safe, fans. Uh, but, yeah, we, if we make this some moves, we, we need to make these moves now. We cannot have CG come back on this roster. We really should be moving Rocco uh, and probably also Anthronaz as well because we need to find some other valuable pieces. Maybe even Norm gets moved as well. It, let me let me ask you this, Chris, because I've said it on Discord recently, uh, and we've kind of gone back and forth a little. If if I'm keeping anyone on this roster, it's it's in this order: Dame, most important; Nas, second most; Nurk, third most. No one else on this roster. I am that concerned if they are not here next season. Does that fit with what you're thinking? And even Nas and Nurk, like if they go, they go. Dame Dame is the lock to me. I'd like to keep Nas and Nurk next if it fits. I can yeah. even just say I'd like to keep Nas because Nurk is more of like if if he fits great, but if he goes, I'm it's it's one way or the other. Are, am I am I that far off what you're thinking? Uh, no, I think the only argument we've had this before between Ant and Nas is is with his recent play, Ant has really made you sit back and gauge how you view his future. I almost think Portland a really good trade like, asset. Like Sorry, if you ahead. no no seriously if you if you if you have to attach ant to a norm or a cj to go get an elite small forward or power forward in return it hurts you as a blazer fan you know he's gonna do you know he's gonna be good but you do it because it's going to benefit you in the long run it's gonna suck to watch him be good somewhere else but it's gonna benefit you to get that elite star in return if you are trading ant for a mid-tier small forward you're an idiot. I don't think that's the move to make. <laughs> that's if you're fair. Not, that's if you're fair. not making something that's going to drastically reshape the roster, and that's why you have to take Ant or attach Ant, then you want to keep him because it's kind of like you said in the Discord, and it's kind of like I've been saying about trading Dame, is I think you have to field those offers for Dame and listen to those offers, but not trade him now. It becomes something a year from now, two years from now, where if the moves that you made to improve around him didn't work, then you have to try to get, you have to move on from him to benefit the team. And at that point you would hope that you still have ant on the roster to just go right into that void and fill it. Uh, But again, if you're trying to win with Dame and you call team a and you're like, I want your all-star small forward. I'm going to give you CJ and I'm going to give you this. And they say, I want ant. You say, okay, because you're going to ant, you're going to be better for it. The whole Nas thing is, is the thing that I don't want to get rid of, of Nas for from a Blazer perspective is the fact that, again, for years we've been arguing what they need is a 3 and D forward. And exactly. he's really developing into filling that spot. Like, if you yeah. want someone who's going to go score for you, it's Ant. Ant is, is a much better pure scorer than Nasir Little. But Nasir does a lot of those little things you've been trying to fill in your roster for a long time. Whether he's a starter or not, like maybe he develops into a guy that you can start at the three or four, and that's great. But at the same time, even if he's just a rotational player, Keith, he's a very, very good one. He can develop into a very good sixth man for you and be a guy who comes and gets 15 points off the bench but plays defense, gets rebounds, and all that. So that's why I like his upside is because he fills those holes. And then Nurk, again, I'm a, I'm a Nurk defender. He's like... We, we talked on uh, Spaces the other night about what if it was CJ for Valanchunas and Josh Hart. I think Valanchunas is, is an upgrade from Yusuf Nurkic. But if Yusuf Nurkic hits, hits free agency and re-signs with Portland, I don't, see how, anyone, I don't see anyone, how anyone argues that that's bad. How yeah. anyone argues yeah. that that's bad. And I know this whole, like, we need to get rid of him because he's a, he's a, 
uh, expiring deal and you have to get something back in return for that. Like, I also think that's a weird argument sometimes. I get it. I'm on board. But at the same time, like, if that was the train of thought, like, would we ever have free agency? Because anyone with an expiring deal would get <laughs> traded and then just re-sign with their new team because that new they're they're getting traded to a team that has cap space anyway or whatever. Like, uh, so I, I I say you just if if you keep Nurk, you keep Nurk, and I mean might even go yeah. a long way into your recam your re-signing him campaign if Joe Cronin can walk into him and uh, in, into his office, have Nurk come in and be like, dude, you want to know how many people called? We didn't. We hung up the phone. We, we didn't even yeah. want to field because we want you here. And I think, you know, that will play to someone like Nurk. So, yeah, Dame's the untouchable. Nas, if I'm keeping a piece for the future, I get what uh, I get what Penny is doing. But Nas is the piece that I'm keeping. And Nurk, you know, there's been a lot of commentary, a lot of articles out there about how he he's looking forward to free agency. He's never had this before and he's earned it. He's played really well. He's earned the ability to kind of go out there and see what he's worth. But I'm with you. If, if the Blazers can bring him back, I'm fine with it. If he moves on. I get it. I, I understand where that where that's going as well. All right, listeners, uh, that gives you a pretty good idea, I'd say, about where we stand right before the trade deadline. Here, we want to hold on to Dame, hopefully Nas, and you know the rest of the pieces. I, I feel like it is kind of pretty much uh, you know doing the little hand shrug emoji. Yeah, just, just put it up in the air. Give us your takes. Tell us if you agree. If you think we should be holding on to more pieces, or if you're more in uh, McIntyre's boat with just saying tear it all down to the to the studs, do do a grand fire sale. Burn it down. <laughs> Either way, we will have our next Twitter spaces Wednesday, February 9th at 6 p.m. before the game against the Lakers. Please come and join us for that. It's all about a group conversation, not just a live pod with us here on like doing a live stream on Twitter. This is about getting feedback from you listeners, getting your takes, getting your kind of ideas on the on the trades, on the direction of the team, on injuries, on the game that night. In fact, we really should probably focus in on just the game that night. It's going to be against the Lakers. It's going to be an awesome win. So see you then, 6 p.m. next Wednesday night. And after that, we will have our post-trade deadline episode, presumably with a guest. We'll see how that all goes. Uh, We will bring that to you next week. But in closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you, Chris Burkhart. Thank you to Brandon McIntyre. Thank you to Odar for these fat beats. And thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again, and please come back next week for the next edition of The Trailcasters. And that's where you hit the trumpet. Okay, fine. I get it. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> womp, womp, womp.